What's going on, everybody? Welcome back into yet another solo episode of the Dogs Basketball Podcast here on this Friday night to recap what happened the other night in a blowout first conference victory, along with the tall order we have tomorrow, which we'll get into the time of tomorrow's game is unfortunate for Noah and I, but we will try to make it to preview the Slew Billikens. Once again, I'm Nick Malone, usually joined by Noah Lurch. Quite yet another solo episode. He is, you know, in the work that we have, you can work a little later, and he gets the short end of the stick and has to work, you know, later than usual. And obviously being a Friday night, there's plans involved, and, and I'm back first, and it's just we need to knock this thing out. So here we are. Here I am. So we will... I will talk about the Evansville game that was, like I said, a blowout victory. Just some takeaways and obviously what stood out in that game. In our first conference game, we'll talk about where we are in the Kimpom now. Actually rose a little bit from where we were to start the game. Uh, obviously, there were other Valley games as well. Dive into those. One of particular that we talked that I mentioned on the previous episode of it wouldn't be the worst thing if this team lost. And another and a great game that was dive into that, along with other valley games. There's some not every team plays again, you know, because as we know, our game tomorrow, other valley teams play each other again, and ours is our next one isn't too far off with Indiana State uh, next week. But there's other there's more valley matchups coming up this weekend, so I'll dive into those near the end as well, and then preview the Billikens. So it was a crazy day yesterday with our work. Noah and I were able to rush, get off in time to be able to make the trip to Evansville. Uh, got there just in time, actually. Uh, and it's funny, we had we haven't bought tickets yet because online wasn't working for us, Ticketmaster and stuff, and any other uh, you know way to get tickets online wouldn't let us. So we said, we'll get them at the thing, surely, and they never are, and it definitely wasn't sold out at all. We know the Ford Center, they like to... Uh, shield off the top with a black curtain. So then we got there. Some guy was offering us tickets off the bat and gave us one good one. Pretty much paid him. He had to give us some money back because he gave us one for one of their next home games. Almost got gypped on that, so paid for that and had to eat dinner there. wasn't the best, but we got there right after tip to watch this game. It's always fun going to Ford Center in Evansville. Recall, just haven't been there. We've been there for other events and stuff. Have not been there for an SIU road game in a couple years, actually. So it was nice to be back there. Uh, Ford Center is an incredible venue. Like I said, have so many other events there. It's huge. It honestly is too nice for a team like Evansville, for being honest. And uh, as we know, the OVC tournament, conference tournament, is there as well, the whole new faces of the fun OVC that will. So let's dive into the game that was before, or in our Evansville game that we had. It, it was honestly a it was a close game to start, and everybody knows it was kind of back and forth to begin. Uh, we had the same starting five once again. And like I said, mainly getting the takeaways, it, it was about 11-11 to 11 game at one point, and then we just went on an absolute roll. Not sure what the run was, if I could find it here. Uh, we went on to outscore them after it was 11-11, 52-22 in the second half and just go on in a massive run that sparked everything to get us in a roll that they couldn't stop. And 
There's an Xavier Johnson interview I'll get into, which was good. I was honestly hoping he would be in the post-game interview. We know Lance was, rightfully so. I'll get into what he had in this game. Uh, it would have been nice to hear from X after the game, but we heard him from this, and it was good to hear. I'll, I'll dive in a little bit of that. That came out only a couple hours ago uh, for this game. But yeah, like I said, after it was 11-11, we honestly just took it from there, and it was a 41-21 halftime lead. Uh, you know, we mentioned how, you know, in the Cal Baptist game, you played Cade and you played Foster and things worked out and you were able to win because there are certain moments in this. And both of them did play again in this game, but Foster was the only one that got in in the first half. Did nail a three. And I'll get into the, the biggest thing of all this at the end here. What stuck out was Trent three or two of two from three had a layup. He honestly got undercut on a layup and smacked the ground that didn't get a foul call. He had eight points at half. Lance had nine, of course, one of three from three, but he was getting to the rim, his usual self. We'll get into what he said post game about his confidence now after having a game like this. Uh, he also had four rebounds, six assists, 0 for 1 from the free throw line. We'll get into more stats Mike had about where we rank in school history in a game of barely having any free throws. Uh, and then who, uh, Jawan and Dalton had two points apiece. Troy had four. Uh, I mentioned Lance and Trent uh, leading the way. Xavier had five. One of one from three. Two of three from the field. A rebound. We'll get into how he his game finished. I mentioned Foster's three. And then Clarence. Eight points. Four of four. All in the paint. Did miss a free throw. Uh, I'm pretty sure that had to have been maybe finishing an and one. Had to have been. And then three rebounds for him. And minutes-wise, who uh, Lance led us in minutes with 15. Trent with 14. Uh, let's see here. Xavier had 13. Jawan, 12. So, honestly, like, nice spread minutes throughout, especially when you end up killing a team. You know, that's nice spread up minutes. Foster had five. That was the least amount. Uh, Lance had four steals at the half. We'll get into what his final stats were. Four steals at the half with those six assists, four rebounds. He was on with nine points. He was on quadruple watch at halftime. The biggest takeaway of this first half, though, was Marcus Damask not even shooting the ball. He did have four assists, so obviously he, you know, he dispersed it, and they were double teaming him when he was getting in the post. And <clears throat> honestly, if we saw it from Evansville. We can honestly see it from a whole lot of people moving forward after the game that he just had previously. But that is definitely a big takeaway was zero for zero from the field. No points, no free throws. One rebound, those four assists. Did have true turnovers, had a steal and a foul in only 13 minutes. And he got spaced, obviously, out of 20. So he sat seven minutes of the first half. Amazing. I'll get into more once I get into the second half of uh obviously what it means and how meaningful this was for him to had to sit out like this. I mean, we were shooting 62% from the field. We were only allowing them to shoot 39%. We knew coming into this game, they shot below 40% from the field as a team. Kind of thinking it was going to, you know, our defense was so good. It was tough for them to score outside of from the very beginning. And there were spurts in the second half where they were able to go on short runs, but it wasn't nothing too anything too crazy. Um, but as we know, I think the spread ended up getting to nine in the game. And obviously that was, we almost, we tripled it or we literally exactly tripled it. Uh, 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 <clears throat> obviously by the end of the game, 
And I remember saying that I could see it being within a 10-point game because Evansville had been playing some close games against some good teams. And we mentioned the game against our opponent tomorrow. They had a uh, two-point halftime lead, which is crazy. But got the best of them in this game. So, like I said, 62 to their 39 shooting, 42% from three for us, only 18%. They were two of three from three in their in the first half. Uh we only were we were barely out rebounding them, and obviously a lot of our defensive boards came from their missed shots. Uh, what else? Like seven steals of the team at half, twenty six points in the paint, thirteen points off of their ten turnovers. We had six turnovers ourselves, uh, so just pure dominance in that first half. And that was the biggest thing was Marcus getting those rests. So let's dive into now how it finished out. Uh, Obviously, you we know we usually go through play by play. Uh, we shot. Let's see. We, we end up scoring twenty points on the fast break, sixty one percent from the field in the game itself. I was trying to think of what we finished with in the second half, uh, shooting wise. Uh, not seen on here via the app, but we shot. We assisted on twenty three of thirty four field goals, led by. Uh, Lance having nine, and uh, Marcus having seven assists near the end of the game. So outside of that, like I said, usual play-by-play in a game like this is not a whole point. We made the game, and it's almost like, you know, we threatened our work the next day to be able to make a, a drive like this to be able to watch a game. We'll, we'll see SIU. We'll go watch them as much as we can on the road. We'll try a Murray State. That might be one that we might not be able to go to at the end of the year. Obviously, slew game tomorrow we'll try to make. And so we always try to make the ones we can. We, we can always make the middle of the state, like Bradley, Illinois State, uh, you know, games. And even we've gone to watch them play at Indiana State a couple times as well. But uh, a little bit further drives than the ones, obviously, that we're saying here. So definitely a butt whooping. So by the end of the game, an easy 80-53 to 53 victory. Like I said, tripled the, the – uh, the amount that or the the spread was to start the game, uh, and you know I said in the final tweet that it was kind of it was an, we needed another game like this. We know we had been struggling offensively bad. There were some players that were in some funks, Lance included. That this was a great and it's weird how we play them in Evansville to kick off the Valley season back to back years. Uh, which if you recall, like we said, the Marcus fadeaway was the decider. Last year and this year, we were just playing overall way too well uh, to even have a scare like that one bit. And I remember saying that this is not the same Evansville team. They're much better than they were last year. And we know the good guard play they had along with Jawan last year and such. We thought this team was a little better, but I'm not sure if that's the case. So they were deep in this game, and I remember tweeting that, you know, they went a little deep before, like, Foster came in. We were like, we need to get this deep as well. But like I said, two players – who hadn't played in the first half did, or two other players that didn't play in the first half played in the second. And there's one that I wanted to get to that I didn't even mention previously because he hasn't played in a little bit. But like I said, 80 to 53 victory. Uh, and the biggest standouts of this, once again, was Marcus only playing 25 minutes of the 40 minutes, sat a lot near the end. Marcus Damask only, and he had a first, his very first shot was a three, and we were saying, man, you got to end up making this. you got to end up making your first and maybe only shot of the game. He missed it, but he ended up one of three from three, two of four from the field, five points. Obviously makes his average go down. I remember saying on the last episode about where Marcus could be, you know, all-time points-wise. A game like this can obviously hurt him. 
uh, in that regard. But obviously, in the grand scheme, that doesn't matter. He'll be an all-time player regardless. If he, if we can get him the rest in a game like this, after the 45 minutes he put up plus overtime uh, in the last game, this was very, very much needed. And it was awesome seeing him come out for breathers and, and vice versa. We saw him come in near one point. We talked about this kind of in the Little Rock game where you end up seeing starters come back in. And you're questioning why in blowouts whenever, you know, it's almost like, well, we don't play for a little bit more, even though in this case we were playing two or three days later. It's like you don't want him to sit and get Charlie horses or cramps, which I don't think so. You just want to get him in the feel of the game and not have him miss it as much like real game action before the next one. But like I said, five points, seven assists, I mentioned, with four turnovers in those 25 minutes, still had ended up with a steal. Xavier Johnson. Big game for X after we said he only scored, I think, he went scoreless in the MTE, which almost seemed unfathomable. And if he scored a little bit, we'd probably go undefeated and win the whole thing. Uh, uh, I mentioned how he, he, I think the math, I looked before, he only had like 18 total points on the year, which is also unfathomable. He had 14 in this game, though. Five of six from the field. His first make was a layup that hit Lance hit him underneath the rim. It kind of rolled around but went in. I think that kind of got his confidence up because we've also talked about Kind of a sketchy shooter, Xavier is. Four for four from three in this game. And he, he's he got a pretty shot. He's got he's got a lot of arc on his shot, but a lot of great spin. And it is nothing but net. And he was all over the place. And we'll end up talking about how, uh, you know, Lance made a lot of no great no-look passes in this game. He found X for a three on one of his no-looks. He found Troy on one as well of his nine assists. Uh, I'll get to Lance in a second, but X, it's great seeing his confidence and I'll just jump into it about the interview he had pregame that I'll, you know, I'll get into later, maybe about what he talked about with SLU, but, uh, you know, X was asked by Rodney about what it's like playing next to a guy or guys like Lance and Marcus who need shots, score 30, um, what it's like playing with them. And then obviously uh, like being able to be a re- other reliant score besides just those guys putting up 30 points combined a game uh, you know and he he just said how it's 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 been coming along he's been getting used to it they've been finding him you know then passing it to him him finding and vice versa and how it's been a little bit of a transition but he says that it because he was asked about I think if uh, if it's like different playing with guys that need the ball that much and score a lot like if it's if it's a hard thing to get used to, or I'm paraphrasing kind of, and he said that it's not the same compared to when he was with good players at George Mason and it is now. He said it's kind of, it's, you know, it's it's the same kind of thing. It's really no different. But it's great to see him play well in this game. Four rebounds, three assists. Uh, like I mentioned, perfect from the three-point line. Two steals himself, one block. He was the only player with a block in this game. I don't really recall it off the top of my head. Did have only a turnover and 26 minutes of play. Uh, Troy had eight points, four or five from the field. Like I said, he finished one off another Lance no, Lance no look. Troy had a dunk in this game. Uh, honestly, and he just scored a lot at the rim. He took some threes, or just one three, excuse me, 0 for 1, three rebounds, one assist, 15 minutes of play, three fouls, and one steal. For I'll get to the team steals. Unbelievable amount we had in this game. And that's what X also said in this game was we were able to get going offensively because our defense set us up in the fast break. Instead, I mentioned the 20 points on the fast break we had in this game. Um, Trent, great. He was perfect from the field, three of three from three. They were key three, especially like he hit some whenever it was 11-11 and got got us going offensively a little bit. 
perf- I mean, a great game for Trent, 11, 4 for 4. They said perfect from the field. Didn't do a whole lot else besides have a steal himself and had a foul in 25 minutes for him. Uh, Foster, 5 points and 13 minutes, 2 of 3, 1 of 2. He had a uh, floater that he was kind of hesitant with if he wanted to shoot it or not. That, along with that 3 he hit in the first half. Uh, and then had an assist, had a foul, a steal, a turnover himself. Uh, in 13 minutes, as I said, Chris Cross got in at the very end of the game. Great to see. He was, he looked confident. He was our point guard at one point, dribbling it down, and then he got a play where he pump faked, took one dri- or got it, pump faked, got the guy behind him, and then ha- hit a nice jump shot. Chris has definitely some talent to him. A lot, of, all, so much of the us fans and his teammates were awesome to see him because he's an amazing, funny teammate that guys respect and love so much. He's a, he's a. Uh, He's a legacy player, as we know, and he's just been a key component to keeping this team loose the last two years. Great to see Chris get in action. Haven't seen J.R. Jacobs yet in games. Interesting. Uh, I guess that's maybe if he can't get in this game, a Little Rock game or something, I'm not sure when he will. Maybe against those that three-game stretch if we can get wins like this. Uh, Jawan had four points in his return. I think one of the biggest takeaways in this game was, obviously, I was wondering at the beginning if he was going to start. And, you know, in the starting lineups, which we weren't able to see, be able to get an ovation. I know if you make him go last, if you announce him last, maybe he could get one. But when he checked in the game, you know, nobody really cheered for him or anything. I remember I stood up trying to chant for him because no one else would. It was kind of uh, honestly sad, I guess I could say. I wanted to go through – I wanted to go through what Jawan had in his career points-wise. Obviously, we know he was a very important piece for – Let's see here. He's a very important piece for Evansville over his career. Let's look at his all-time stats here. In his Evansville career, he had 297 points two years ago, 280 this year, with the 30. So he had he had 828 points in his career. I had a feeling it was in the 800s. I knew he wasn't a thousand point score. I was like, it's got to be in the 800s. That many points in his career had great final two seasons. He was awesome for them last year, and no ovation. And I and granted, I understand if maybe you because you're going to a rival, you're going in conference, you didn't want to stay or you didn't want to, you know, or you could have went anywhere else, but you stayed in conference. And I guess Evansville doesn't have the best fan base and rightfully so. I mean, fan bases stick through it through and through. But if you're as bad as they have been, it's hard. There were a lot of orange and there were some fans in there. I can't lie. Uh, but no ovation for Jamal. That's kind of sad. Uh and we thought, obviously, he was going to end up having a great game in this one. And he, he got the shots, and he had some open threes in this game. He ended up shooting 0 of 2. They were great looks, and he had other really good looks in this game. That's, I mean, how many times has he shot in this gym? He should have been draining them, honestly. But he still ended up with, uh, like I said, only four he had. I can't remember the other two. I remember one, he had a contested layup in the second half. Three rebounds for Jawam, uh, three fouls, one steal, 24 minutes. Here's, here's, and we'll, I'll get into other ones actually, and then I'll end with the other ones. Dalton, only two points. He had a nice layup. He honestly could have dunked. We know Dalton can get up a little bit. Just laid it in. One of four from the field, though. Had, uh, had four turnovers. It was one of those, you know, turnover games for Dalton. He didn't look great at times in his 12 minutes. Had to steal himself. Uh, shot some uncharacteristic threes. One really early in the shot clock. Uh, and then I'll recall what the other one was. So not the best game for Dalton, honestly. Uh, like I said, only in 12 minutes. Uh, here's a big one before we get to the other ones. Clarence Rupert. He was, again, perfect from the field in this game. He is almost unguardable in the paint. 
Noah and I were talking because we saw Marcus and Troy dunk in this game. And I was thinking, when was the last time we saw Clarence dunk it? I think he did at the start of the year in one of those games. You don't really remember it too much. And the more and more we watch Clarence and see him have games like this, except 12 points, 6 of 6 from the field, only had 3 rebounds, but he gets strong rebounds. And like I said, Clarence is almost unguardable in the paint. He'll... He finishes and ones. He he is able to draw contact and get those and ones. Or he's able to draw contact and just score with ease. They were finding him and they were talking about it. You know, the pick and roll was working a lot in this game. Finding guys on the roll could have had a lot of uh, slips also on the screens and find them. And that's what Marcus was hitting Clarence with a lot in the first half. Uh, and he was just getting easy looks on the rim. And you know, I'm going on record saying that Clarence is playing like, and we're gonna need him tomorrow. I'll get to that later, but. He's playing like our sec our since Lance had been struggling, he had been playing like he was our second most important and best player on the team. We know Marcus is first, and we know Lance has been, like I said, struggling, was great in this game. But I feel like Clarence has been consistent. He's been one of the few consistent players on the team in terms of his scoring, in terms of his everything. I mean, he's honestly been everything we could have asked for. He's so talented. He's only a true sophomore. Obviously, from whatever we get the rest of the season and then also the rest of his career, hoping that it's here, you just never know sometimes. Uh, we we need to have success, I think, to like be able to make a guy like this content because he already had a taste of it. I think that's obviously important in his eyes. It's important in everyone's eyes. But uh, when he's a senior, and I remember us talking when we got him, people were saying he could be a potential player of the year candidate. and. I remember saying, like, I don't know if he would have the total offensive game and the dominance to be able to do that along with the other great players that are around the league. Uh, but And I remember saying, easily defensive player, and he's been really good on defense, but he's been even better offensively. It's honestly insane. And he said, everything we could have asked for when he's only a true sophomore, so imagine when he's a senior what he's going to be like. He's going to hit more threes. Uh, he didn't shoot one in this game. He still seems a little hesitant at times, but he knows he can shoot it. Just playing fantastic, and we're going to need him. Like I said, he's arguably now, behind Lance and Marcus clearly, our third most valuable and best player on the team. He's Like I said, he's been the most consistent. So I love watching Clarence play. Great team guy, great chemistry with some of the guys. Like I said, this pick and roll, if that can work continuously, it'd be great. He said he had three rebounds. He only he played 19 minutes. I think that's the amount he had in one of the MTEs, and he had a steal as well as just Chris and Cade who didn't get a steal. So, like I said, I love Clarence and what he's bringing to us. Like I said, and Troy had eight in this game. I guess you keep rolling with it. Troy might struggle against Francis Okor tomorrow. Uh, but, you know, because – and they have a good backup big we'll get into as well. But Clarence might need to start against Okoro. It's a wait and see. Troy did well against Musa. He can do good against Okoro. We know Troy has had off and on struggles since that game. But – It'll probably be the same lineup. So Clarence's production off the bench is brilliant. Love it. And then uh, Cade, he didn't didn't play in the first half, played in the second, had didn't score. He only played about six minutes. Brian took him out once he was making a little bit of mistakes. He didn't play great, uh, you know, just in terms of the eye test or whatever. But, you know, he got a, he got a low pass from Dalton that needs to be a high pass for a seven-footer, so he lost it. So that was a turnover. That had to have been one of Dalton's turnovers because uh, Kay didn't uh, – he did have one that could have been his. I, he touched it, so I guess it it was his. Uh, and he didn't get a whole lot of looks. He 
he was trying to guard one of their backup bigs, and I think he scored on him once. So not the best six minutes for Cade, probably his worst so far. And we talked about how, you know, when guys don't get in a rhythm, it's hard to, you know, play well sometimes, even though it seems like, you know, and he's not told he's not told before the end if he's not going to play or not. I think he practices like he's going to, especially if they took if they're not going to redshirt him. That's going to be the case. And a blowout for sure needed to happen. Happened a little too late in the process of a blowout. I think whenever he was in, they kind of they stormed back just a tad bit, but then it got out of hand again. It got up to over thirty in this game. Uh, but obviously, he needs to stay ready regardless. I mean, I think that's always the thing. No matter if you need to get in a rhythm or not, players always have to stay ready in every sport. So I think that's the case with Kate. He's always got to stay ready. So he didn't play the best, but hopefully he, he can get in minutes in a cr- crazy, great, enormous game for tomorrow. I can see Brian seeing that as like a UNLV-style game where we can't, won't see Cade. So there'll be a lot of minutes for a lot of the main guys. And I didn't mention I didn't mention Lance yet. He had seven. He finished with 17, 50% shooting, 3 of 7 from 3. He was hitting some nice long threes in this one. 0 for 1 from the line, 6 rebounds, 9 assists, 6 steals, and 3 turnovers doing a lot of that aggressiveness. 29 minutes led the team and had a foul. Great game from Lance. He had a circus shot, which was a crazy one. I remember doing the hashtag, that's Lance. It's literally how he is. Uh, and he talked about after the game about his confidence is back. And that's all it takes for him. And he loves playing inside forward center. So he was able to get going. Uh, it was just awesome to see. Obviously, I mentioned the team getting an offensive group. But Lance getting downhill more, making a couple of his threes. And doing everything because he'll have to match Yuri Collins in that regard tomorrow. So it was important for Lance to have a game like this for sure before tomorrow's game. Great game for Lance, an all timer. Like I said, he was on pace for a quadruple double. Oh, definitely almost ended up with a triple double, which has happened in Suki history, I believe. But he almost had a quadruple, which definitely has not happened. You haven't had seen a lot of those in any sport or any level of basketball, definitely not college. So he had a he had a great game. And then I'll end here with A.J. Ferguson. He only played four minutes, had a steal, had uh, one foul, and didn't shoot, had a rebound and assist. I think the biggest thing with A.J., because like I said, I didn't even mention him on the previous pod because he wasn't in the box score, so I didn't even think about it. He didn't play against Tennessee State, and he didn't play in the MTE. And I remember or we, we've been talking, obviously, with his size and everything. And we're thinking, about oh, if we can use a cash coupet, if we could use a guy like like you see around the Valley that are great wings of his kind of size, it would be absolutely amazing. But he's so young, and it seems like he's not fully ready. But when you watch AJ play, he, he'll be really sluggish to start. Like he had almost had a really bad turnover just for touching the ball right away. But as soon as he gets going and he gets a little bit more action in the game and he gets the flow of it, that kid is everywhere. He had, I mentioned he did have the steal. He had it and he was going behind the back. He was kind of playing out of control, but he was playing confident. He had one of the, his rebound he took, uh, you know, and confidently just snagged it. You can just tell when you watch him that he just gets confident as the game goes on. So I would like to see, maybe it won't happen tomorrow, but seeing AJ get more like a six to eight minute run in a game and both halves. He can give you something. We mentioned the threes he hit Oklahoma or the three hit Oklahoma State and he played good defense against USI and he's had moments, but he needs to play more. Talking about a rhythm guy of certain players, 
Foster and his shooting, Cade in general, and definitely AJ, because he'll get confident as the game goes on. Definitely need AJ more minutes, because he can give you something, and he'll be really active, and uh, just his confidence is through the roof. So I wanted to add that, because I didn't talk about AJ last game. It's nice to see him along the way. Like I said, next two games are pretty tough, so we'll see if he makes it in. In general, so in the end, we ended up shooting 61 from the field. We ended up holding them to 40% around their season average. 50 from three. We were 12 of 24. So doing a lot better from the last couple games from three. Uh, only I rebounded them by one. I mentioned uh, we had 28 points off of their 20 turnovers. We had 15 turnovers of seven. I want to clean that up a little bit. But it, overall, it was just a, you know, a blowout, which is what you needed. What you definitely needed to have happen before a game like this, especially when you're struggling offensively, scoring 80 points is nice. So that was the win that was. See if I can get some quotes here from Brian after the game. Nope, none. Usually there we had quotes. In football, you'll have quotes. And we know Brian and Lance talked after the game. Antoine Smith, who we know is one of the guys who remained at Evansville, he led them in points at 12. He was really the only player that played well in this in this game for them. So a nice 80-53 to 53 blowout. First conference victory. 1-0 in the league. Awesome to see. So I mentioned all that in saying let's go through real fast uh, what the other games happened on Wednesday. The 6 o'clock game, which was an hour before ours, the biggest one was Indiana State and Drake. I almost feel like I want to end with it, but I'll start with it because I see it first. An amazing game in Terre Haute. We talk about how you know, they're they've been they're undefeated at home. I remember saying that beforehand. They play great there. They have they renovated it. They have a new scoreboard. Everyone, Rocco Miller was there. It was a big game around college basketball, honestly. And it was a crazy game because Drake was down big at first. It was back and forth. Drake took a late lead in the game. Indiana State got it back and ended up finishing the game. I think there was like a sketchy call against Tucker DeVries. At the end, I remember because we were trying to stream it, Noah was streaming it, and he showed it to me. Uh, so not sure, obviously, if that played into the ending. Uh, but Indiana State gets the win by two points. They're 7-1 and on the year. We mentioned their loss was to Kansas City. Uh, Drake is now 6-1, and first loss of the year. No more unbeaten. Takeaways of this is Drake had a had all their scoring but one point in their starting lineup. And thank and to them, half of it, Roman Penn, 36 minutes. We mentioned how he was hurt to start the year. He's back, obviously great. Playing great, feeling great. 13 of 18 from the field. Didn't even didn't even make a three. Only shot two. 32 points. He was six of six from the free throw line. And that's why Roman Penn plays like a first first team member. He did have four turnovers, but now all that action, four assists, five rebounds, three steals, unreal performance from Roman Penn. Definitely a career game for him. Uh, their the preseason player of the year, Tucker, had 15, six rebounds, three assists, 36 minutes, only shot five of 15. Darnell Brody had 10 and only three rebounds. Wilkins, eight. Calhoun off the bench. I mentioned he was 0 for 6 from the field, 15 minutes. He's their big guy coming off the bench. He, he was the only one that had a point. Connor Enright played this uh, this transfer. Northweather played, didn't score, and OK played. So they're, they're only they're only nine deep in this game, but not a whole lot of bench production. That's noteworthy moving forward. I granted this is probably the first game that's happened, but when you're led right led by Roman, you had a chance. Sturts had seven points, thirteen rebounds. T.J. Wilkins eight points. So that was on their end. Let's talk about the winning team and the biggest takeaway from this game. No doubt about it. 
Robbie Avila, in 25 minutes, he was in their closing lineup too. He also started. They started him, Cam Henry, uh, Trenton Gibson, who averages nine this season, Jason Kent, Bradley Transfer, and then Cooper Nice. So talk about a deep bench. I'll get to that. Uh, but Robbie Avila had 16 points as a freshman, one steal, three assists, eight rebounds, two turnovers. Three of five from three, and he only missed one free throw. This kid is special. We talked about how we wanted him. Didn't really have a full offer to him, or he never took like an official visit. Uh, we thought he was going to Loyola. Thought he was going to uh, uh, forgot what the other school was that we thought he was maybe going to, but he ended up in Indiana State. It was kind of a shocking thing. We mentioned that's why Jason Kent went there because they were high school teammates. And Robbie is special. He's probably going to. I'm thinking about other freshmen. We know. Uh, uh, Tyson from K. Tyson from Belmont's really good, but Robbie, it's going to be him, a battle with him and Robbie all year for. Especially if Robbie can do this against uh, Darnell Brody and the and the team to beat in the conference and a steal with Robbie as well. Cam Henry had fourteen, Jason Kent had ten, combined ten for Gibson and Nice off the bench. McCauley, they are so deep. They played they played eleven guys in this game, and McCauley after sixteen a game, he had twelve off the bench. Bledson two, Larry three, Hobbs three. I'm talking about this game a lot because it was an awesome game. Kalex Stevens came off the bench, so that was who they started. That's who we play next. Can't wait to talk about them. They'll be – I'm not sure who they play. I'll get into it, I guess, here coming up of what the record will be when we play them. A great game, though. Drake's first loss of the year I mentioned. It won't hurt Drake, really, because Indiana State's been getting some nice love. Missouri State went on the road and beat UIC by 15. What stuck out here was Donovan Clay was got going in this one, 17-9. and nine. Chance Moore, once again, 7-11 from the field, 3-5 from 3, 17 points himself. N.J. Benson, another freshman. He had 8-8, eight and eight and he's been playing a lot. So you could see, very well see uh, him, uh, Robbie, and Tyson on the – I think you can honestly pin in those guys for on the all-freshman team. A lot of action. James Graham, I mentioned him coming back, struggling to score in 24 minutes. Uh, Austin Mason didn't even score. So just a whatever game for Missouri State, they got over 500, and UIC had a couple guys in double figures, but they lost by 15. Missouri State 1-0, Drake or Indiana State 1-0. Then this one, you and I was handle or was there with Bradley most of the way until Bradley escaped. Uh, Dean for them, the Troy transfer, 18 points. Hickman 13. Darius Hanna started four points. Rink Mass, we mentioned he was back. I think he was back last game. Played 28 minutes off this injury. 13 and 11 for Rink. And then Malavai had 6 and 4 in 32 minutes. They only were eight guys deep. We mentioned how Jay Sean Henry's dealing with the concussion again. They don't have Zeke Montgomery, but they had uh, Connor Linky and uh, Christian Davis and then Tava Nainen, who they had 14 bench points. So Bradley was able to finish the job. Bowen Bourne had 22. He's going to play for an All-Valley team, as we said. Four bench points for you and I. They're struggling, so they don't have Nate Heiss, and they don't have Fife. So those were the games then, and then we know some games happened yesterday. Murray beat Illinois State in overtime. People were saying this is the best Illinois State's looked all season. Led by Seneca Knight, 20 points, 12 rebounds. Kendall Lewis been playing great all year, 13 points. McChesney, 11. Poindexter, 13. And Buford, 6 assists, 6 points. And then only four bench points for Illinois State with Petrakis, Sandage, and Luke Kasupke. He had four. They're only bench points. Lost in overtime, like I said, two Murray. Jamari Smith, 16. Rob Perry, 20. The, the two leading guys for them. Kenny White, Jr. 
had 11. DJ Burns only had two. They said he was celebrating like he won the national title after winning the game like this, but it was their first Valley win. And then Jacoby Wood, 12 points, 45 minutes for him. And then nine only bench points. Brian Moore, zero. Another kid, zero. And then Quincy Anderson had nine. He's going to be a nice bench scoring for them. So Murray got the win. They have like a 20-game home winning streak, I think, now. And then the last one, Valpo losing on the road at Belmont by only 12. I mentioned Cade Tyson, who's going to be up for all fresh or freshman of the year. 15 points in 25 minutes. Friarburg had 20 points. Ben Shepard, 13 on 13 shots. They only had they had 16 bench points, 14 of them by Bellinger. I think he would end up being the player of the game for that. I remember seeing an interview. Bellinger, can't wait to talk about Belmont as time goes on. They're now 5-3. and three. They will be tough to beat as time goes on. So quickly looking now, the standings going in conference is Indiana State, us, Belmont, Bradley, and Missouri State, and Murray, and then the losers, Drake, UIC, Valpo, UNI, Illinois State, and Evansville to kick off Valley play. So let's talk. So I talked about those. I guess I could go ahead because there was, we talked about how I'm going to have a Kennard Davis Jr. update. I'm pretty sure Vashon is had dropped a couple games. I don't know if they've won one yet. They haven't seen any, there's no stats to have unfortunately right now hopefully we can find those as time goes on it's kind of tough uh we talked about how they they play crazy games they play in some tournaments and some teams that are all from all over the country so canard will get some nice action against good teams as time goes on like i said also as time goes off we can get some stats from his games but i think they they've dropped a couple games so far not sure if they have a win yet but uh they'll play in some tough games uh, as they go on there. So there's that. And then might as well go ahead and discuss the Valley or the next slate of games for, for teams. So tomorrow, obviously our game, some conference games, some not Indiana state goes to Miami of Ohio where there are six point favorites tomorrow. Uh, Evansville at Northern Iowa. So two Oh and one teams looking to get on the board. It's a two and seven versus two and four expect Northern Iowa who is undermanned to maybe get a really close home game win. Evansville is healthy. UNI is not. That just shows you they're a 12-point favorites, UNI is. That just shows you their, uh, you know, the analytics go by the teams that they've played, by what margin they've lost some close games, and also their probably unbelievable record at home. 12-point favorites is a huge one, though. So that's an interesting game. UIC at Drake. UIC can fight a little bit, but Drake being at home, expect that to be a little bit of a blowout, and Drake is 16.5-point favorites. And then Bradley at Missouri State, a great game. Both 1-0 schools, both with talent, both. I mean, Bradley's not that healthy, don't have all their guys, played a short bench. Missouri State, those a little deeper, and they are 3.5-point favorites. I'll go with Missouri State to win a close home game. Drake to blow out UIC. UNI to... Barely get by Evansville at home. And then I'd say Indiana State. No reason why they can't go into Miami of Ohio and beat a 3-4 and four team with the way that they're playing. That's at noon tomorrow. A lot of early games. We mentioned ours and Bradley, Missouri State's at 7. By the time we come to you guys next, it'll be sometime next week, but I'll just go ahead and finish these games out. Other conference. So it's just us and Indiana State not playing conference games. Murray State at Valpo. Uh, no spreads for that game yet. I expect Murray to go in there, even though Valpo is kind of a tough place to play. And then Belmont at Illinois State. Very interesting matchup. If Illinois State can ride the good game they played last, and the Belmont's tough. I can see Belmont getting that win on the road in a, in a close game as well, and I expect Murray to win by at least 10 or more at Valpo. We'll see how those picks stand out. 
definitely by the time we talk next. So like I said, the win the other night was the end of November. Now we are kicking into December tomorrow on the 3rd. 3 o'clock game. We mentioned how it's kind of unfortunate for us and our job to be able to make it. We will push really hard to make it. It be, could be a fun night in St. Louis with a win or not if you play it close. Cause just going out, we want like to go maybe eat after the game. It's always fun going to St. Louis. We'll be going there in early March to do the same kind of thing. So let's talk about this game. It is a, which right, right away, right off the bat, we are eight and a half point underdogs. I think I was talking to Noah earlier. I said, I expect us to be like six to eight. And here we are at eight and a half, a 134 over under 80.5% chance for SLU to win. Uh, let me go through some quick stats that they have here. Uh, this is the, let's see here. I'm pretty sure it's the, let me look real fast. It is the, whatever meeting between us, let's find out here. Uh, the 60th meeting between the two, they lead the series 32 to 27. So it's relatively close. They're 24 and 10 against us in St. Louis in their home, uh, city. It'll be the first meeting between, you know, since Marcus Lance and Trent's freshman year and Brian's first year, we recall that. We went there to watch it. I don't remember what the final score was. Does it have it on here? It does not. Not sure what it was. I just remember going, uh, and we recall they were maybe hopefully supposed to play us at our place because we didn't play them last year. So we said, okay, we'll play Saluna. We weren't able to get that on the schedule last year. So, like, okay, let's get them at, you know, oh, you know, we'll be able to get them at our place. And obviously it ended up not working that out again, but it can look good. Hopefully by the end of this, if we can get this win against a team that, let me go ahead and look at it. We are 93rd Kempom, and SLU is pretty high. I would say they are, let's see here, 44th in Kempom, St. SLU is, and we are 93rd. So we were 100th before last game, and then we jumped up. I'm sure there's a lot of mixed matching going on with some teams. Uh, if I were to go through some more of these, Drake is 69th, Murray is 119, uh, Indiana State 130, Belmont 134, Loyola is 135. They said they've struggled this year. Bradley at 116, Missouri State at 117, and then the other ones I guess aren't even worth mentioning, uh, I suppose. So, like I said, great matchup against SLU this weekend. He said, should have had it as a home game. It is what it is, but it is by far, and Brian was asked about it kind of before we get an interview with him tomorrow and we'll retweet it. This is the best team we'll play all year. Oklahoma State's a Big 12 school, but SLU is picked second in the A-10, and Dayton has struggled. So I think SLU, and granted, let me let me talk, before we talk about comparisons in this game, let's talk about what SLU has done so far this year. Uh, we know they killed Murray to start the year by 23 points at home. Evans, who had a two-point lead on him at half, then they ended up beating them by 18. My Memphis Tigers went in there, allowed 90 points against them uh, on November 15th, only lost by six. So they have a – I think Memphis was in the 20s or 30s in Ken Palm, so that was a big home win for SLU. Uh, then they go on in the Basketball Hall of Fame tip-off and get killed by Maryland, who Illinois plays them tonight. Maryland's ranked 22nd now. Maryland's really good. Lost to them by 28 points. That was kind of a shocker. Uh, they beat Providence by three in that same in that same classic, uh, which was a nice, really nice win. Providence has been good the last couple of years. They beat some non-D1. 
and they barely lost to Auburn, 13th-ranked Auburn, by only five at third place, uh, which was obviously a that would have been an enormous win for them, enormous win for them, and they're already pretty good resume. Uh, and then Tennessee State, they won by 27 or 17, excuse me, and I wanted and uh, it's Slew has played. They still play. Let me look real fast. They play. They host Drake coming up. They host SIUE. They've just played a. They play a lot of schools that we have been familiar with so far this year. It's really interesting, and it's ironic they play Tennessee State as well. Beat him by seventeen. And in that game, I was going to get to him at some point. A lot of players know who he is, or a lot of people know who he is. Yuri Collins had twenty assists in that game. He is the first player with a twenty assist game since Trey Young did it five years ago when he had his great freshman season at Oklahoma. And we'll get to Yuri in a second, but that's what happened in that game when they won right before they play us. So so that's what that is. Let me go back again to well, – I'll talk about their personnel. Might as well segue into that. Uh, like I said, Yuri is unbelievable. He entered the portal at the end of the season. They they lost an ugly game to UNI, that really good UNI team last year in the NIT. We were there. Noah and I were in attendance for that. Uh, so we entered the portal and but came back, and you bet your lucky stars that – Travis Ford is blessed because obviously this is their best team in a long time. Gibson Jemerson, as we know, leads them in points with 14 a game. Absolute marksman. He shoots 44% from three. You can't let him open. I don't know who's going to guard him tomorrow. It's going to be interesting. If you start at the same lineup, it's got to be uh, – trying to think. I'm blanking on who we even start. Marcus Lance, Troy, Xavier, and Trent. I, I expect Trent to maybe shadow him. That'd be probably a decent idea. You know, Gibson's a little taller. He could probably get some more shots off. But 89% free. So don't foul him and don't let him shoot. He averages in a, a turnover a game, a steal, an assist, rebounds a little bit, and 31 minutes, though, 14 points a game. Javante Perkins, who's been hurt recently in the last couple of years. We know him. We saw him play in JUCO. Didn't think he would end up being a great player as he as he has been in his slew career, but knew he was going to be good, and he's been every bit of it. He's averaging 13 in his comeback year. He doesn't do a whole lot else but score. He's shooting 40% from the field, 37 from three. Good free throw shooter this whole team. They're a 77 free throw shooting team. Uh, but like I said, two rebounds and really nothing else. He's in there to score in 22 minutes a game. Javon Pickett, we saw him play in high school a long time ago at Belleville East. Noah even played against him in high school. That's how long it's been. He's been – we remember he was committed to Illinois to uh, John Gross out of high school, and then he got fired. Brad Underwood got the job, and then he ended up going to Mizzou for four years to play under uh, – oh, boy, blanking on his name. But he's had a nice career. Javon Pickett, as like I said, we've been following for a long time, and he's here and scoring 11 points a game in 26 minutes, and he's also their second-leading rebounder with seven a game. Shooting 53% from the field, one of the tops on the team, 80 from the line and 33 from three. He's a problem. He starts with them as well. Uh, and then Yuri, 11 points, 12 assists a game. Rebounds a little bit. He'll turn it over because he's got to have the ball in his hands at all times. He's arguably the best point. I mean, for the pure definition of a point guard, 12 assists a game does that. I mean, he is every bit of a playmaker. He's always got to have the ball in his hands. He is an absolute problem. For X and Lance tomorrow night, he's one of the best players we'll play all year. He's not shooting it relatively well, though. He'll dish it out, and he scores at the rim. 
He shoots 21% from three, doesn't shoot a whole lot at all. He's a 78% free throw shooter, 41 from the field, though. So if you get him the four, I think he can hit a jump shot. He's not going to shoot threes. you got to stay in front of him, can't let him get to the rim. He will find the next guy on here at the rim, and that's Francis Okoro. If everyone remembers it in our threads over the years, and a couple years ago we were in on Francis Okoro. He came from Oregon, really high level to recruit, and was there. We know Dana Ullman will find fine talent. He averages eight and nine. Like I said, those nine rebounds, two blocks a game, 52% from the field. He'll miss his free throws. He has not shot a three or made a three. He's a problem. So we mentioned Troy being on. He can contain if he can contain Okoro, he can if he can contain Moose, he, can, he could probably contain Okoro. And I'll get to him. And the atmosphere Slew has in this game is honestly incredible. Uh, and then uh, they have a couple guys here, but overall that's the uh, that is the duo you have to watch out for. Along with what's his name shooting, Jimerson's shooting. You got to watch the uh, uh, the playmaking of Yuri and addition it to Okoro. And <clears throat> let's see here to back up Okoro. They have honestly try to click on his name and it won't let me. Not sure what his name is off the top of my head. His last name is Forrester, though. I've looked at him before. It's blanking. I don't know. They doesn't really read him fully on here. He averages seven a game, five. Uh, let's see, five rebounds. I think he's pretty tall too. He's a new guy. Like I said, don't don't recall where I want to say Duquesne off the top of my head. I'm not sure though. He backs him up, so that's a good. That's a big Clarence test, maybe a Cade test. Here's a couple guys that Travis Ford was talking about a lot to start the year. Sincere Parker. He's played in every game. 14 minutes a game, he averages six points. Nice freshman, 94% free throw shooter. I don't know how many attempts. He's not shooting. He's shooting 42% from the field overall. He's a nice 6'3 freshman coming off the bench. Fred Thatch has been there forever. I remember hearing about him. He was an unbelievable player in high school in Sykeston. He is the same player he is, his stocky 215-pound uh, self. He'll come off the bench. Terrence Hargrove Jr., I mean, Salou is literally the guys we watched in high school. We watched Terrence Hargrove Jr. out of East St. Louis, so he stayed home. Had a better first couple years of his career. He's he played in every game, but he's only playing 13 minutes. He kind of plays as the big. He was kind of a you know small forward in high school and his been his early years here. He's playing like a six four power forward, honestly, in his time here. Uh, some other guys people might know. Larry Hughes Jr., obviously the son of former NBA player and former Billiken, Larry Hughes. He's 6'4", nice talent. Like I said, Travis Ford was talking about him. Two points a game, one rebound. And he's played in all but two games this year. They have a couple other guys as well that might see the see the court like this. Uh, Lamont Evans, two points. He's a sophomore six-foot player out of Florida. So they're really deep. And if I were to go to their previous game against Tennessee State – or even the Auburn game would be a bigger indication. They play, they played a lot of guys in this game because they ended up blowing them out. So let me go to the Auburn game in a close, tight knit game. How many players they played? Uh, see, they only went nine deep with Thatch, Sincere Parker, Forrester, and Terrence off the bench. So that probably be the case in this one, all depending how the game flows. But they do start Okoro, Javante Perkins, Yuri. Jimerson and Pickett. So really nice quality scoring, shooting, dishing lineup that they start. That's what they're going to start tomorrow. Uh, so now let's dive into the team matchups. 
they score 80 points a game, and that's a lot. We know Indiana State leads the Valley in scoring with about 80 to 85 a game. And our 80-point effort the other night got us up to 65. We are allowing only 58. They are allowing 70, which is noteworthy. We know, you know, they're a relative – they're an okay defensive team, and with our struggles to score, that's why I said the last game hopefully got us in a groove because we're going to need to score in this game because your defense is great. You can only hold off a, a team as good as this and a team as a great of a home team as this team is. Keeping them at bay is tough to do. 45% for us shooting from the field. They're only at 46. They rebound 42 a game, which is, you know, 34 for us. It's eight difference. Going to have to stay on the boards. And assists, obviously, led by Yuri. They're 18 as a team. We're 14, not too far behind. A lot of theirs is Yuri-related. Blocks per game, they're four. We're at two. We're not really blocking a lot of people. Like I said, X had our only block the last game. Steals per game, though. Obviously, with the last game, didn't see what the number was. An enormous amount, led by Lance's six. Nine as a team. They only averaged five. So overall, it's a pretty even matchup. I mentioned they are, what I say, Ken Palm, they were about 44, I believe is what I ended up saying, 44. So we know, like I said, pick second in the A-10, projected to be an NCAA tournament team. Uh, like I said, they played Drake along the way at some point in their season, uh, but it's obviously going to be tough, and we have a spread now, eight and a half. I mentioned that earlier. Didn't see that before. It comes out about, you know, it comes out about, 24 hours before the game starts. Uh, dogs of the game in general. Uh, Noah told me his. He said Lance. Lance has to be big in this game if he's going to keep up with Yuri, one of the best point guards in the league. Lance has to stay under control, and uh, he has to stay under control and just play his game as a guard and guarding him. Lance is one of the best defenders in the country, and he's got to stay in front of one of the best in the country. Uh, it's interesting because I could say Marcus, and every big game we have, it's always going to be our main guys. Uh, it's interesting. I want to say Clarence because if he's got to play big boy minutes against Forrester and Okoro, which are tough matchups, you can go with a lot of guys. And I was going to lean Xavier because he talked in the game about having to guard Yuri and the fact that obviously when he was at George Mason, who's in the A-10, has to play slew twice a year. Uh, so he knows about him a lot. He was able to tell the team and give some tidbits on what he's learned over his time and stuff. But uh, I was going to say Xavier for that reason because he knows them well, but I'll go with Clarence. Like I said, he's been arguably our third best and most important player on the team this year. He's not missing from the field. Okoro is a freak defender down there for them, so Clarence is going to have to be on his A game. If, if Troy struggles against a good big like that, and then we don't see Cade. It's got to be Clarence-led because Forrester's big, too. We're going to get out rebounded in this game, and Clarence has to be a big part. So Noah went with Lance, and I went with Clarence. Definitely some two good ones. I think this game's going to be on Bally Sports Midwest. The Cardinals guy on, ba on Bally Midwest, Dan McLaughlin's doing the game. Uh, the typical radio guys in general looking to bounce back off of a game like they're like I said, slew six and two. They're riding high. They're picked really, you know, they're picked to go to the NCAA tournament. Three o'clock game at Chaffetz Arena. Like I said, haven't been there in a couple years. It's always fun to go to that. Eight and a half. It's going to be a tough game for us to win. Like I said, they are an amazing home team. They will get the crowd going and they won't look back. It's a great, it's kind of like the Ford Center. It's a little smaller, but it's like the great official, legit arena. And their fans will show out, unlike Evansville's, and they will go 
they will wreck everything. It's a three o'clock. They will have fans show up at three o'clock on a Saturday without a doubt. So we need to get tickets. Hopefully we can go. Uh, and I'll say I say we can cover eight and a half points, but I don't. I think it'll be tough to win. I want us to win as long as we can keep it close to where it looks decent on a resume by the end of the year. Because obviously, like I said, Drake plays them, and it'll be notable to see how Drake plays at their place and us as well. Uh, if Evansville can have a two-point lead at half against them, granted, second game of the year, and after a game we just had, we need to, and the team we want to be, imagine the kind of win this can be for our program moving forward. If you have road wins against Oklahoma State and SLU, and you take care of games the rest of the way, how it can look for you, it's still going to be tough for, an at, for at-large bids. You had to probably beat UNLV to even have a chance if you can continue to have a 20-win season. But it, obviously beating SLU can give you at least a shot, and that's all we're hoping for is a shot. So looking to have another – looking to get another win on in the on the road and a really tough environment, like I said. I'll have us plus 8.5. Hopefully we can – if we lose, lose a close one. That's all we can ask for. Uh, looking forward to this one for sure. And the Valley's counting on us to get a win like this, like I said, until Drake plays them in a couple weeks so looking forward to it three o'clock valley sports midwest i'm sure it's on espn plus if not looking forward to it hopefully we can see a lot of maroon like we saw in evansville on wednesday looking forward to hopefully getting there and cheering on our guys and spending the night in st louis giving us a sneak peek of what things could be in early march if things go our way so for nick malone i'll talk to you guys hopefully it's both of us again i say that every time but we'll come to you guys at some point to then we can preview the red hot sycamores of indiana state on the next episode hopefully this game can go well for us three o'clock see everybody sometime next week go dogs